so tasty. Welcome to part two of our ACC Big Ten Challenge preview. This is the ACC Basketball Degenerates Podcast. My name's Luke Neer. I'm joined with Guthrie Alexander. Say hi. Hi, hi. Taylor Pilkington. I'm also here. Vegas Mike. Sorry, <laughs> Luke, I need that so tasty as a custom ringtone. Uh, that'll be your Christmas present to me. I'll pay you 99 cents. Okay, we're, that, we're on. That's how we monetize for, this. For your razor idea. phone. We turn our cold opens into ringtones. I actually think that would sell. <laughs> it might sell. I think that we might be, be onto something. Uh, on to Wednesday. Let's talk about North Carolina, Michigan. All right. Now this is fascinating. Perhaps the best game from a competition standpoint. Offense, defense, who prevails? In general? Yeah. Offense. Okay. Here. In this I mean, this is in Ann Arbor. Okay. I, th- I think we are projecting that the line will be uh Michigan by two. Hmm. Can I say I really like Kobe White? I just enjoy him mm-hmm. as a person and yeah. a player. Yeah, he's a strong basketball player. I he thought had he good really hard too. Better shooter too. When in the than Texas game, mm-hmm. that was a little bit of a coming out party for him. Yeah, he kind of pulled an RJ Barrett at the end, had mm-hmm. a nice little air ball there to end the game. Um, well, you know, kind of went a little one on one. He had a heat check reach. at the end, at the wrong, exact wrong time yeah. of the game. Yeah, and, but Roy and, pulled him over mm-hmm. and had a father son moment. He's good for did those. Did you notice that? See, the, these are little things. This is I why it's see really good to go to games in person because you get to catch all these moments. Mm-hmm. But that one was captured by well, the camera, thankfully. Yeah. I, Kobe White has impressed me. I mean, I think he's still not all the way there from what you would hope. I One thing I'm, I've been surprised watching North Carolina this season, and I think especially in the Texas game that Mike and I talked about, we were watching it together, is that they didn't play through Luke May very much. Um, and I've been, you know, the first person to say like Luke May is not an all American, whatever national player of the year candidate, but he's a great fulcrum to run your offense around because he's a great passer, great distributor out of the post. And he gets such good position in that kind of like old school UNC secondary break, just sealing off the post. And if it's a mismatch, he will take advantage of it. And if not, he's going to like find somebody and that's a great way to get your offense started and not stagnate if UNC can't get a transition game going. I've been I was shocked that they didn't try to like run it through him more. I don't know if that's a conscious choice to try and get like a uh, little or you know some of the whites from the freshmen involved more or if that's more just like a an oversight. Um but I I, I, I think, think it was a factor of Texas's athletic bigs. I I think we saw it last year. I I always bring up the Tennessee game from last year. Um, I think that uh, kind of came to fruition a bit for UNC against Texas. I don't see them having that problem, that same problem against Michigan. I actually think you're going to get great value for UNC here. I, I know that Michigan has been and here's um, really strong defensively, but I like UNC here. I, I think Lost people... in the shuffle was the North Carolina beatdown of UCLA in Vegas mm-hmm. in the con- consolation game. All right. Just killed them, ran them off the floor, put up 94 points, and that got forgotten. Because everyone was paying attention to the title games. I mean, but don't you think UCLA kind of devalued? I mean, UCLA got destroyed. Kobe White, by, Kobe White was great by Michigan in, State. In Nineteen game high. Like you, I I kind of toss that aside a little bit in my head because I watched UCLA and Michigan State 
for the first half, and UCLA just might as well have not been out there. I mean, yeah, I mean, they're not very good. I understand that. They they play super fast and they don't have a great defense. I mean, at the time they were ranked 17th in the country. They're currently, I think, ranked 94th by the net rankings. Net. <laughs> yeah, so they're they're not very good. I mean, I th- I think they're fine. They're just coached by Steve Alford, and that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, like a poor man's Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, I like that. That's I actually, right. I like That's that. I, I actually like that comparison. You're welcome. Um, but you know, I think that you know, and and maybe some of our listeners haven't watched Michigan play, but you know, the big question is Brodzikas, right? I mean, Brodzikas is what I, is he? He what is, is he? Luke May esque. I mean, I yeah. think that he's a a bigger kind of Eastern European version of Luke May. And, and you know, I think Luke May is pretty Eastern European, but this guy, you know, he's got the he's got a very distinct look. The caterpillar. It's as um, if he was meant to be a replacement for Wagner, but he's not. But he's still in the same areas, <laughs> and everybody still feels comfortable because they think it's Mo there, but it's really not. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel about him. I don't really know what he does. Yeah, he's, he's got a he lot do? of skill. He's he's a scorer. That's what he is. I mean, he's he's a scorer. That's all he is. He he mixes it up. He gives them an inside presence. He allows them to not be so guard dependent. Um, and then essentially John Teske just guards the rim. Yeah, that's all. And he just he's just a huge bruiser inside that guards the rim. Um, so I'm actually really interested in that matchup. Is how is Ignis going to match up with Luke May? You know, are, is that going to be um, you know a, a, something that goes in Michigan's favor? And I think Luke May is going to have. A hell of a game. I, I like Luke May to put up between twenty-five and thirty, and I like UNC to to bring it home against Michigan. That fifteen-minute Mike Grant was brought to you by Drumroll, <laughs> the Bolivian Casino. <laughs> do you, do you worry about the size of Michigan? You know, you talked about Teske inside guarding the rim. Is that going to bother? You know, UNC no. are they? Gonna, what's the starting lineup going to be? Who's that fifth guy? Garrison Brooks. Sure. Yeah. 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 I think Brooks, it's Garrison Johnson, Brooks. Williams, White, and May. Okay. With Little coming off the bench. Are they going to swap him out for Little and try and go small? They haven't done that really as a starting lineup this season, I don't think. Yeah, yet. I wouldn't Have expect they? it. No. He, Little hasn't played well to be heralded in that starting lineup yet. See, my problem with Michigan is I've only watched their halves when they have not been on, so I missed the Villanova first half. What else did I miss? Guthrie, what second half did we miss? The GW second yeah, half. Yeah, the GW second Not that that's really an important game. Who else have we watched Michigan play? I've watched a lot of Michigan this year. They played Providence in, uh, People are, in that same tournament. I mean, it looked like they were going to get a lot of public money from a betting perspective mm-hmm. because they just ran away with the game against Villanova and everybody was kind of shocked. Um, but then I guess with Villanova's you know, losses after that, kind of felt like you might get a, a different line. Oh, I was watching Chattanooga for some reason. Must have been one of the dark nights recently for me. No, um, gosh, this is just a complete stay away. I'll take UNC. It's a complete I'm with stay Mikey. Away. I'll take UNC. I, I actually also really like UNC here. I think Michigan has a lot of pieces to really frustrate them, uh, frustrate the Tar Heels on offense, but... I don't think they're going to be prepared for the way in which UNC crashes the glass. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be extremely problematic for Michigan. Even at home, 
and I I think this is a, a game UNC will probably win. If nothing, it's a great stylistic matchup, like Luke mentioned. I mean, mm-hmm. Michigan State's defense, number one in efficiency. Michigan's defense. Michigan I, sorry, State. Michigan State. Michigan's defense, mm-hmm. number one in efficiency rating, and also one of the absolute slowest in the nation versus that offensive UNC. I mean... It's going to be interesting to watch, and I usually, you know, your conventional wisdom would say it's easier to slow the game down. I, I'd still like UNC here. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take Michigan. I'll, I'll be the the lone dissenter, but I, I don't feel good about it in either direction. Next game. Is that it for Tuesday? I think that's it for Tuesday. Sneaky. Uh, speaking of teams with sneaky good wins recently, let's talk about the Maryland Terrapins. Mm. Drubbing Marshall Friday when everybody was shopping and pushing people over, you know, <laughs> in the Comcast Center, they were just having a party. They will get the Virginia Cavaliers, who won Atlantis. They now own Atlantis for a year. So, you know, you've got UVA, you've got UVA Wise, and now you've got UVA Atlantis. But this is going to be played in College Park. We're projecting a four-point line. Virginia by four? Five? Taylor... Where are you seeing this line? Yeah, I think it's going to end up at like four. Four or five. Yes. I think it opened at three. I think it's going to go up to four or five. And Luke, maybe you can give us a little insight. I mean, anything going on? What's the chatter around the UVA program right now? Positivity? Oh, yeah. People loving what DeAndre's doing? People loving what Kihei Clark is bringing. Ooh, yeah. Just fearless. Yeah. Little freshman point guard. Yeah, his recruiting story was he was committed to UC Irvine. Irvine yeah. One of your favorite teams. Took out the Gauchos there. last year. I'll never forget. But he was snagged by TB and he decommitted and came to Virginia. And I've never seen a freshman get into the starting lineup this quickly since Linda Parentes. And that was more out of need. This team didn't need a one guard or a two guard to be inserted into the lineup. But here he is. I mean, you wouldn't. Presume a team with Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy would immediately be playing a freshman who's five nine ish, five eight ish. I I don't know. On paper, the in this many minutes. No, it's certainly a story this far. And DeAndre is just. I mean, he's he's the most efficient player in the ACC on both ends of the court. If you're evaluating offense and defense, maybe Zion it might have him edged out. It's close between the two of them. However, the only thing about him is. You got to worry about his usage rate. Is he getting enough shots? Is yeah, 18 points going to be enough on, I don't know, 8 of 11 from the field? Mm-hmm. Is that enough? Or do you just keep going back to him? I think you have to go to him. He has to touch the ball every possession if Kyle and Ty are having really tough shooting nights, which they did against right, Wisconsin. Right, they did against Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. They did mm-hmm. not shoot the ball well, and they still won by – did they win by double digits? But if one of those guys is on, either Ty or Kyle shooting the ball, right? Mm -hmm. And you're always going to get the production out of DeAndre, right? That's hard to overcome if you're an opposing team. Right. I have not really been impressed with Braxton Keaty recently. I think he struggles to finish. I don't think he's a good finisher at the rim. Mm. And he's not a good three-point shooter. And he was not in the starting lineup against Wisconsin. Maybe that was matchup dependent. I don't know. I don't think to pay attention to. I don't think he has a great fit, honestly, into their offense. Kind of because some of the things that you've touched on, when you talk about is Hunter getting enough touches, there aren't that many touches to go around because they run so few possessions in a game. 
And so basically Guy, Jerome, and Hunter are like, what, 80% of your how your of your possession enders, I'm guessing. That's that's a total guess. So where do the rest of those go? Maybe higher. Where do the rest of those go? And if you're a believer in like getting into the flow of the game or anything like that, it's very hard for some of those other guys who you, you would hope on a team with more possessions would be big scorers like Key, Dikite, Huff. I mean, how are they going to get involved? And it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. I think it's time to put to bed the Diakite jump season. He's just a defensive player. I just don't think it's happening this year. And that was a big narrative in the offseason. That's just a gut feeling. And he might just not be able to get the minutes to uh, make a noticeable lead. Eventually, they're going to have to have somebody else besides those three guys who score. Yeah, I think if you can get Virginia with anything less than five points here, I think you have yeah. to take Virginia. We haven't even talked about Maryland. Clark has to been me, scoring. He's been, the, he's been the additional scorer. His three-point percentage in Atlantis was off the charts. It was phenomenal. Anyway, I, I think they have plenty of scoring to get past Maryland and pretty much any other team out there not named. Drum roll. I'll save that for another podcast. Does, does anybody want to make a defense of Maryland here? Are we? I mean, I feel really good about Virginia getting low Shoot. single digits mm. all day long. Um, two words, Mark Turgeon, and he's involved. So that's one reason I love Virginia here. That wasn't a defense of Maryland. That was a, yeah. an attack of Maryland. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, pardon me. No, the the def the silence is deafening when we ask about Maryland. Uh, so I haven't really watched. It's got to be a size argument, I guess, right? I mean, that's all you that's all you can say is that Maryland's bigger, badder inside. They're gonna out rebound. They're gonna pound the paint. You know, Bruno Fernando's gonna do his thing. You know, um, I mean, Jack I mean, Salt did play pretty well against half. I mean, he if did. You look at the, at he the had moments. He had moments. Um, you know, can Aaron Wiggins for? For Maryland, shoot it well enough. Um, yeah, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, may, maybe, maybe. I mean, in College Park, um, Maryland's certainly an improved team. I, I think that they, I think the numbers for Maryland justify a lower line. I just don't think that lower line will come to fruition for for the Terps. They need a game like Dayton had against Virginia. You start out pretty hot. Virginia's kind of looking around at each other, turning the ball over uncharacteristically. That's what they need. That's the recipe. Mm-hmm. And it, I, I'm not saying that's uh, inconceivable. Right. It, yeah, it's 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 not. But Maryland is it's not. A, it's Maryland's not a good shooting team, and they rely heavily on getting offensive rebounds to generate offense. They throw up junk shots and grab rebounds and stuff it in. Uh. Jalen Smith is a fine-looking freshman, but I I have to agree. I I see no way in which Maryland covers. Yeah, here. I mean he's he's a lottery pick, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or will be a lottery pick coming into uh, next year, you know. So definitely got to watch. Um, I, you know, you got to wonder will will Hunter match up with him at times to show his versatility a bit. That could be kind of fun to watch. Yeah. Um, I but, think I think Virginia has enough big men to throw at at Jalen Smith and Bruno Fernando mm-hmm. to to have answers for them. Um, I'm just I'm concerned if Maryland's defense is going to slow down the shooters of Virginia. Yeah, a and, one possession game though, the one possession game. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't seem likely yeah. to me, but I don't know. Possible, maybe Virginia's first loss of the year. You heard it here first. Take Maryland.
Money line. (laughs) (laughs) Every UVA fan says it's in the bag. You take Maryland money line, this is their first loss. I will say this. I will say this. Of all the teams currently in the ACC and teams previously in the ACC, there is a special place in my heart for the Maryland rivalry. There were some nasty games between UVA and Maryland back in the day. I went to a Steve Blake game one time at U Hall, and it was something else. Juan Dixon was involved. So was Terrence. Uh, come on, help me. Come on, come on, guys. Um, I I can't. Lonnie Baxter, Terrence. Uh... Oh well, whatever. Terrence you know Howard. I, you know who I'm talking about. Empire. <laughs> <laughs> I had a flashback when Juan Dixon was coaching Coppin State, and yeah, I was like, Oh, that's Juan yeah. Dixon. Oh, oh, he coaches Coppin State. Oh yeah, man, they're terrible. Yeah, they're <laughs> they okay. tough schedule. Though. We're gonna mow down. Well, okay, three Virginias and one <laughs> Maryland. Correct. Mike is Maryland. Yeah, I'm Maryland. Put me down for Maryland. All right. Okay, let's mow over Miami and Rutgers. Taylor, I- I'm gonna start a clock on you for this one, okay? Because yeah. this Miami team is not very good. They're just not. They're not. I mean, <laughs> that's you. not true. I take it all back. Thank They're you for amazing. coming to the, the the realization here. Um, no, I I think Seton Hall is a better team than you, you're going to see. They have one of the you know best individual scores in the nation. I think in Miles Powell. I'm basing. I don't know. I'm. I don't know what the line's going to be here, but my we have it at Miami minus five. Five. That's got to be a typo. My analysis says that Rutgers is just a terrible team. You type these. Notes. That's that. Yeah. That's that's. <laughs> so Ken Palm. Ken Palm has this as about a thirteen point line. So and Miami's playing at home in Coral Gables. And Rutgers is bad. Um. Yeah, and Miami's coming off a really bad loss. Their offense is anemic, and Miami has a. A pretty good defense, despite all everything. I guess we have to take them. Rutgers held EMU, Eastern Michigan. My, uh, you know, I want to say my former alma mater, but it's not. But um, (laughs) they held they held EMU to four points. So the strength of Rutgers, if you're looking at the numbers, is and admittedly I'm not super familiar with their team, is defense. Great defense, bad offense. Um, Miami. Is a little more balanced on both ends. I'm still in on this Miami team. I think they're still kind of figuring out what the distribution is going to be. I don't think they're going to be world beaters, but I'm I'm still more positive than the other three people in this room. So give me Miami here. I'm taking Miami. Oh. Mike. No, you go first. No, Catherine. no, no. I no. want to go where you go. No, no, no. <laughs> After you, sir. I, I definitely like Rutgers getting 13 points. Wait, um, it's not thirteen or whatever it's going to be. Yeah, Ken Palm has it thirteen. Yeah, if it's going to be thirteen. Wait, didn't we say it was? You know, Taylor say had six? it in here at the notes at five. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. know what that's about. Maybe he's trying to trick us back into giving Miami love. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely like this Rutgers. Has to be a if it's a double digit line. I, yeah, if it's twelve, I'm with you. Yeah, I just Rutgers, don't. I don't think uh, either team can shoot it well enough. <laughs> I just don't think either team is very good at shooting the basketball, um, which is actually kind of not true if you look at the numbers. But whatever. Um, I <laughs> I like Rutgers here. I actually think they've been uh, slightly better than uh, they have been in the past. I I like them to cover here against Miami. I also really like Rutgers to cover. I think Miami was. Incredibly disappointing in the Seton Hall game. That's a very, very winnable game for Miami. Their defense was all over the place at times. 
Larry Nega is still trying to figure out the rotations. Yeah, Donde Esta, Juan Hernandez, right? Man, they they they've looked really sloppy, honestly. DeWan's not coming back. He's not coming back. I, yeah, I'm I'm not sure what's going on there. Ineligible. Barely beating Fresno State. Very disappointing loss to Seton Hall, who I think is is you know Taylor it's a rebound him. year, but I, I also I love I love Kel, Kevin Willard. I think Kevin yeah. Willard is a great coach. I agree. But uh, as far as this goes, I, I really like Rutgers getting the points. I think they're undervalued. Um, they're going to keep it close. Yeah, I like that call. Let's go to Florida State and Purdue, a top 20 matchup. Seminoles coming off that loss to Villanova, which we already ran down. Purdue, their loss was to Virginia Tech not too long ago as well. Hmm. I think this is going to be a great game. This and- is a game where you just say, hmm. I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited to see it, especially after that Purdue-Virginia Tech game, which was really exciting. Um, I think you can kind of find some similarities there in that Virginia Tech likes to move the ball a lot, kind of get out and, and run, and I think Florida State's going to try and do that. Um, I don't see I don't see Purdue having as much success scoring against Florida State as they did against uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, Carson Edwards is incredible. Um, but the, the matchup between Harms down low and uh, Kumaji is just going to be it's going to be interesting to watch. I don't even know how to pick on that a stalemate. Yeah, I, I really hope that we get the rare four big men on the floor at the same time yeah. where you have like Boudreaux and Harms for Purdue matched up with like Kamangeli and Kumanji for Florida State. Are we, are we calling Boudreaux a big man though? He's not that tall. Yeah, well, he's 6'9", right? 6'8"? He, he's listed at 6'8", but he... He plays big. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He, okay. I mean, he plays, depending on who you ask, he plays the five for them. So yeah. he plays in lineups as the five. Sometimes. Possibly the four. Some, yeah, not, yeah. not all the times. Yeah. I think he's magnificent. I do, too. I love his scrap around the rim. Yeah, in this not game, not to be too cliche. I, you know. I think this game is I actually. I think like might a, be uh, neutralized by the Florida State defense. Yeah, I mean, you know it's it's interesting. It shot like it's just kind packed. of a uh, a role reversal of sorts where Florida State's actually coming in with the dominant bigs, and Purdue is actually coming in with kind of like the ball dominant guard. You know what I mean? Like in Carson Edwards, whereas normally you would see Florida State come in with kind of like the XRMs of the world, the Dwayne Bacon's of the world. Um, instead, you have Carson Edwards coming in and. Who's pretty ball dominant, but it is all going to be about the matchup down low. And, um, you know, Purdue is so heavily reliant on the three. Um, will Florida State, with that ball pressure defense, is to find them early on in the season? Will they be able to push Purdue off the three point line? And how will Purdue react to that? I think that the way that they react to that is by putting Florida State in a ton of pick and rolls. Um, it's something that Carson Edwards loves to roll with these active bigs with Boudreaux. And, you know, I think in my, in, in my analysis of the numbers, Florida State is actually one of the better pick-and-roll defenders in the country. So we'll see how that plays out. Florida State is athletic enough to switch everything on the pick-and-roll. And Carson Edwards, he's gonna, he can, is going to get his points. The difference is, will he be efficient enough and will he get the other guys involved enough? If Carson Edwards scores 40 but the other – if he scores 40 on, you know, a bunch of shots and it's very inefficient and the other guys don't score that much, then it's going to be bad for Purdue. So I kind of like Florida State to defend them well and and I'll take Florida State. I think we have Florida a State's good... defense uh, suits Purdue. Well, I I'm I mean, it's a good matchup for Florida State's defense yeah. because mm-hmm. they like to press out. 
they are not going to undercut any of these screens. And I think that's going to cause Carson Edwards to see a lot of contested shots. I think he's going to shoot a poor percentage. I like Florida State to win this one. The only concern I have about them, I'm a little bit concerned about them on the offensive end of the floor. I think they might have too many guys. They might have too many players. I don't know what their bread and butter is offensively. I don't know what their go-to is. I mean, who even knows who their go-to player is right now? Now, we, right. Could, we could make some. All right, sir. sure, you could say Terrence, Terrence Mann. Mann. Yeah, late game, it's even been you Trent say, You could even say yeah. Savoy. Trent you could even say Savoy's in the conversation. But well, Cabin Gelly hit the game winner or the sin to overtime shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just worry about yeah, 10 I think guys. That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. I don't know that they have that full identity of, you know, game on the line, who, who's who got the ball and in hand. If right? you look at their lineups, there's been so many Florida State lineups thus far because they have interchangeable pieces. They, they're they in the positionless basketball realm as well. Right. It's almost as if, imagine you're Terrence Mann, okay, and you're guarded heavily, and it's late-game scenario. It's a tight game. Like, who are you expecting to be in the post? Who are you expecting to be to your right? Mm-hmm. What is, you know, PJ's tendency if he's in there? You know, what if Walker's in there? What if, you know, throw another name out there? I just feel like that's difficult. Mm-hmm. I'm not knocking the players and their talent. I'm just saying I think if he shortened the rotation down, they would actually be much better offensively. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I like that. And I think, you know, one thing that would help help them gel would be if they got back to their running ways. You know, they really haven't run much in transition this year. I think it's a it's it's something this team could do. I think quite easily. Um, so I'd like to see them get back to that. And Purdue it, transition defense has been putrid this year. So I I'd, I'd actually like to see see them do a little bit of that this in this game. I'll take Florida State too a little bit begrudgingly because I, I don't like to not take the best player on What's the floor. Spread? But we're saying pick them. Oh, is that is that what we're saying? I think it's going to be Florida State minus three, and oh. might shift, this is but, at okay. the Donald L. Tucker Center, also mm. correct. Yeah, nobody nobody wins in Tallahassee. Yeah, man. Hashtag it's a massive humidity. Arena. It's a very <laughs> steep climb. Guthrie, uh, I, I mean, this as, as you guys have talked about, this one's this one's kind of tough to pick. I I think I have to lean Florida State simply because it's at home. Uh, Purdue has the best player on the floor. I think Florida State actually has a really tough time. They've been turning the ball over a lot this season. So it really, to me, it boils down to can they pick up the tempo, as Mike was saying? Can they get out and run? And if they can, I think they'll have success and they'll probably end up winning. But if they struggle in the half-court sets, if they turn the ball over, if they get bogged down... Purdue could pull it out. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, are we moving on, Luke, to the team featuring so, the number one rehash, team in the country? I'm taking Florida State. I think it's unanimous. FSU, yeah, I think everybody's baby. on FSU. Yeah, that's that's our second. Um, that's our second consensus. So you know what that means? Yeah, and we're always wrong. Hammer yes, the Boilermakers. Exactly. <laughs> that's right, folks. You heard it. I will say this: Imagine if they win the Villanova game. Hmm. We're not bringing up any of these questions. We're just heaping praise on them. Mm-hmm. And it could have swung in the direction. They easily they were there. They yeah. easily could have lost the LSU game, which oh, was they okay, should have lost. Yeah. Yeah. They really should have. LSU they looked, completely imploded. They looked done at the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. or close to the end. Of okay, the game. that's that's a fair counterpoint. Never mind. <laughs> I mean, LSU LSU was like up up 
six with a minute left or something like that. Yeah. It was it was insane. Well, I think all the things we said about Florida State, like their size, their athleticism, kind of the switching, the ability to do all that, and we said LSU is kind of the same way, and that'll play into Florida State's hands. Mm-hmm. It actually LSU got the better of that matchup, and I mean they. They defended the rim so well against Florida State. Florida yeah. State had so much trouble getting to the rim against them. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's get on to our final game, and it's one of the most fun matchups of the ACC Big Ten Challenge. The thriving Chris Holtman-led Ohio State Buckeyes are going to be at home hosting the reeling Syracuse Orange. Ohio State, currently number one in the country per in net. the net, net rankings. Mike mentioned net rankings. Drink. <laughs> Are we saying this is a this is a three point line? Yes. Mm. Ohio State. Oh, oh my. Oh giving my. three points at home. What? What? And should I? <laughs> guys, beware! Beware! I'll let you guys start, but beware. Okay, Taylor, explain to me what am I missing here? I don't know. I'm taking Ohio State. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh. I mean, not that only that Syracuse has had some bad results. It looks like they can't play offense. I think Ohio State's uh, defense has been really good. I watched – it's been a while, but I watched some of that season opener against Cincinnati oh, in yeah. Cincinnati. Oh, and I, was impre- I mean, that's a it's a different style of offense because Cincinnati plays that very physical man defense, mm-hmm. different than the Syracuse zone. But, um, you know, I, Ohio State dealt with it in – you know, on the road, and I think they have the shooters and the ball movement to deal with the Syracuse defense. And Syracuse just like their offense has been so stagnant and so bad. I don't see it getting instantly better on the road. Um, yeah, like Mike's just, drunk friends shooting I, at the I, sports book. Yeah, yeah I, that's right. Yeah, yeah you saw that. Or just I those, tweeted those that. bunch of dudes. Yeah, yeah. I can't wait to hear the. Uh, this is how they built the Venetian, those palaces in the desert. Take on this, but oh just seems clear cut to me. I have to take Ohio State here. Oh. The only glimmer of hope for Syracuse is that Ohio State has been awful against the zone this year. Currently scoring only 0.8 points per possession. They've actually have 92 possessions against the zone this year. Um, so that is, if you're looking for some little nugget, some glimmer of hope, you know, I think you don't, I don't think you bet either of these teams. That's a good nugget. Though. I think you bet the under and you just live with it and you move on with your life and you don't even watch it. Cause it's, mm. it's going to be a, it's going to be a fight. tough one to watch. Yeah. It's going to be a real tough one to watch. I, I, who is calling the game? Can you guys look up the announcers? Are you aware of who's calling it? Can you tell me? Is Dakich calling it? I was about it? to say, I assume it's Dan Dakich. <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> if Dakich is calling it, I absolutely cannot watch it. <laughs> but also, the product will not be uh, sufficient for me. Um, no, I mean, Syracuse has been one of the worst shooting teams in the country over the past 24 months. There's no reason to think that will change. Um, I, if I had to pick, I guess I would pick Syracuse just because I'd like to not pick the obvious team, but I would pick the under. That'd be the only play. What about you, Luke? What do you think? I know you're a big Syracuse Orange fan. I got to figure it out at some point this season. And now it generally doesn't come this early in a non-conference schedule. It generally does not come on a rare road game in the non-conference for this team. But something tells me they get it together. Um, a little bit too much Ohio State buzz out there for me right now. I need to see some more. I don't think Cincinnati is a good team at all. I mean, you guys are going to disagree with me, but I, I do not think that team is good. 
I know Guthrie's mentor coaches uh, the Bearcats, but McCronin, baby, yeah, it's a tough place to play. It's a tough okay, place to play. yeah, and it was what well, was it was an opener the second game of the season, so. I don't know. I, I like what Mike said about the zone being a little bit of a kryptonite to Ohio State. Tyus Battle had a, had a pretty good rebound game shooting. I know it was against Colgate, but he did shoot the ball a little bit better. He's going to be able to get his. Uh, I think Syracuse steals one. This is the walk game with a challenge, and Syracuse wins. Wow. Right in the ship. Georgia like Tech it. at Northwestern? I, I don't really have too much. I just have a gut just feeling. Just play the music. <laughs> We're not talking about Georgia, Georgia Tech. Tech at Northwestern? Oh, God. <laughs> Quick takes. We we neglect one of the big games? I'm picking Georgia Tech. Yeah. I'm in. Georgia Tech. They're it's better. Gonna, They're better than we thought. It's going to be Georgia Tech plus seven. Sure. Oh, easy. I mean... In Evanston. I mean, they covered seven against Tennessee. Georgia Tech's offense looking to have a tough matchup here. <laughs> like they do even, yeah, when, like they're, they do in every even game. when they're just running plays. <laughs> I'll, take, Ge- I'll take Georgia Tech with the points. Yeah, that's, uh, that, me too. That's, that's a, Northwestern, man. A pick from my heart, not from Northwestern. Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Old Capone <laughs> Guthrie over there. Good job. <laughs> I think that is that even Midwest? No, that was my that was my Boston yeah. accent. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. I actually wrote a soliloquy about Northwestern as well. Give me a little. Oh. The music is cute. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Please <laughs> fade me out. Special shout out to Wake Forest. Not involved in yeah, the Yeah, not even involved. Here. Sorry, Western Wake Carolina. That's who they'll be playing on Tuesday. I almost slipped up because I was going right down through the Tuesday games, and I was like, Wake Forest! And then I caught myself and, and you know, didn't fall into the trap. So, mm. give me a thumbs up for that. Mike, you got to pick this game, though. Oh, no, I did. Georgia Tech. Okay, all right. Three, yeah, three to I'm one. on it. All I'm right. on it. Now, finally, I guess we cue the music a little bit too early. We're going to go around the room, and each one of us is going to tell the audience who we think is going to win the challenge, and you can pick a draw. Ooh. We're allowing that option. All right. Well, I don't even know what my history of picks is for the podcast, but I'm going to go with, of course, I want to say draw because that's, you know, slight, <laughs> I know. But, it's um, been, no, I'm it's gonna, not uncommon. I'm going to go with the ACC. I, I don't, I think that they get the same number of wins they got last year. I'd say, or two years ago, which will be eight. I don't think they win 11 like they did last year, but I'm going to go with eight wins for the ACC and they bring home that sweet Commissioner's Cup. Well, it's about to be 1-1, we presume. We're watching Boston College in the background. If they can hold off the Gophers. So, it's not like someone has a clear-cut advantage, like one conference going 2-0 on day one, if Boston College can hold this up. So, Taylor, without any advantages. Yeah, I'll take I'll take the ACC, too. Powerful. All right. Nothing more needs to be said. Yeah, no, I got nothing to add. The Big Ten is going to win nine games in this challenge. Ooh. That's my take. I think the Big Ten is criminally underrated this year. I Everyone was talking about how the Big Ten was was soft and in a down year. I don't buy any of that. They're second in Ken Palm right now. Mm-hmm. They've had a fantastic preseason. And the ACC has been real disappointing. Like, I, I, I'm i completely baffled as to the performances of some of the ACC teams so far this season. 
I, I think I think this this is this is where we like we get to see it. Mm-hmm. Big Ten wins nine games. Seven and seven. That's what Luke says. Officially. I'm calling it a draw, boys. The coward's way out. <laughs> I know. I know. If well, you're really, Luke yeah. over here. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna force the issue, I'll take the Big Ten to win eight. Okay. You happy now? You happy? Yep. Great. <laughs> what a way to end the podcast. If we could just cut it out, but no, we have to give the information. Yeah, you started the music three times to <laughs> You can follow us at ACCB Ball DJs on Twitter. Please give us a follow. And I guess the holidays are, we're in a hiatus. So don't go to your grandmother and grab her phone and subscribe on that. Just wait till Christmas. You can do it there. Or maybe when you're shopping, you can steal somebody's phone like people do on Black Friday and subscribe. Hmm. People do that also <laughs> stealing iPhones, absolutely, mm-hmm. right? And They're Cyber prized. Monday, I guess. Okay, um, you can also contact us via email, right? ACCBBoldEnions at gmail.com. and check us out on Facebook. We're trying to be better on Facebook, even though we are not. Not it's not our cup of tea, right? It's not our best stuff. It's not our preferred platform, but uh, we know it is for a lot of people out there. Okay, thank you. Good night, folks.